last year, in one of my messages, I was telling you about the Doomsday Clock. It's a clock designed by scientists that's meant to reflect the likelihood of global doom. And, and the clock has moved since we last spoke about it. It's now at 100 seconds to midnight, the closest it's ever been uh, in its 72-year history. And, and because it's getting so close to midnight now, people have been getting prepared, preparing themselves for the worst. Uh, and so now not only do we have the Doomsday Clock, we also have the Doomsday Vault. Uh, the Doomsday Vault is a global seed bank based on a Norwegian island near the North Pole. Uh, it was opened in 2008 and contains more than 1 million types of seeds from 118 different countries around the world. It's, it's like a giant backup system for seeds. Uh, so if Australia's seed banks were to be destroyed, say in a bushfire for example, we would have a backup in the Doomsday Vault. It has a temperature of minus 18 degrees, they are frozen for the future. In the event of global destruction, we can open up the Doomsday Vaults and we will still be able to grow tomatoes, potatoes. In the event of global catastrophe, we can still grow marijuana and that's bound to be good news for someone. <laughs> Australia has 32,000 seeds in the Doomsday Vault. The seeds of North and South Korea happily sit side by side in the Doomsday Vault. Today we are looking at Mark's Gospel, um, and we're looking at Mark's Gospel in the lead up to, to Easter. We're looking at Mark chapter 4 this morning. Now I want to encourage you to read Mark's Gospel for yourself. I mean, I want to give you a, a good feed on the Word of God this morning, but I want to encourage you to feed yourself on His Word this week. God's Word is bread for daily living. It's not cake for special occasions. If you listen to an audio recording of Mark's Gospel, how long would it take you to listen to from start to finish? It would take 90 minutes. Meaning that if you listen to Mark's Gospel for 15 minutes a day, you would listen to the whole of Mark's Gospel in six days. I wonder if you spend 15 minutes or more watching television or on social media each day. My encouragement to you is to be in God's Word yourself. Uh, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about sowing seeds. Let's start at verse 1. Uh, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even a hundred times as much as had been planted, and then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus very often used parables in his teaching. Uh, in fact, verse 34 says that in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. And parables are very accessible. They're about everyday life things that Jesus' listeners could relate to. A lost sheep, a lost coin, wise and foolish builders. On one level, 
uh, people can easily understand something about this parable. It's about seeds and soils. But it seems that not everyone catches on to Jesus' deeper meaning, including his disciples. Which raises the question, if his parables are not always understood, why does Jesus use parables as a teaching method? Turns out his disciples asked him this question too. Uh, why do you speak to the people in parables, his disciples asked. And Jesus replied by saying, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. What does that mean? Um, so whenever a pastor gets up to preach, in any church anywhere, there will be people listening who are hungry to know Jesus in a deeper way. Um, and sadly, but inevitably, there will be people in any church who attend casually. People who aren't really there to seek Jesus personally, rather uh, some attend church out of habit, some for social reasons, some because their parents do, and, and so on. Uh, in the Gospels, crowds are following Jesus. There's lots of people listening to him. But they're not all genuinely seeking God's truth. Some are, some are not. And so Jesus' parables do two things. They reveal and they conceal. They reveal God's mysteries, the secrets of heaven, to those who are genuinely seeking him. And they conceal those mysteries from those who are not wholehearted about seeking him. Jesus' parables force people to stop and think and decide whether to search deeper. That's why he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. The audience has ears, but are they really listening? Are they truly seeking God? Uh, that's why Jesus says those who have will be given more. And those who do not have, even what they have, will be taken away. Jesus' parables have a sifting and sorting effect on the crowd. They reveal the mysteries of heaven to those who want more understanding and conceal from those who are unwilling to seek after God. And the important question for you this morning is which camp are you in? Are you here casually or are you here to know God more deeply? Uh, what does this parable that we just read about the soils mean? Well, conveniently, we don't have to guess because Jesus tells us. He says this, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Uh, still others, like seed among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I wonder if you've ever had an experience where you've endeavoured to talk about your faith, but as soon as you uh, open up the topic of Christian faith, you discover the person you're talking to has gone cold. They, uh, they change the subject or they shut the conversation down altogether. Sometimes your seed falls along the path. 
Uh, when I was a teenager growing up at the Bendigo Church of Christ, our youth group uh, did many trips to Youth Alive in Melbourne down to the tennis centre uh, where there would be a preacher who would give a gospel message and give an altar call, uh, calling on people to receive Jesus and very often many young people in our youth ministry, they would raise their hands, they would go down the front, uh, they would accept Jesus. It was exciting to see. But some of those decisions were short-lived. Uh, some went home and found their families were not very supportive of their newfound Christian faith. Uh, some found that being a Christian wasn't a great way to be popular at school, and they were like seed that fell on rocky soil. It was short-lived. Uh, still, there were others who received Jesus and his message. They, they welcomed Jesus as saviour, but there isn't room in their lives for Jesus to be Lord. Uh, Jesus might be part of their life, but the worries of this life, the desire for wealth, happiness, popularity, choke out what God longs to do in their life, and so they are not fruitful. Uh, maybe they attend church, maybe they play Christian music in their car, but they're not a sold-out, fully devoted follower of Jesus. And then finally, we have the fruitful Christian. They hear the word, accept the word, put it into action in their life, their lives are fruitful and have an eternal impact. I wonder, I wonder which soil best reflects your dream. In this story, three of the four soils end up with an unwanted result, which says something about the optimism of this farmer. This farmer is spreading seed everywhere, all over the shop, some on the path of rocky soil, thorny ground, and some of it lands on good soil. This farmer is seeing, sowing seed everywhere, some in the most unlikely of places. Uh, this is John Allen Chow. He was a 26-year-old American with a passion to make Jesus known to one of the last uncontacted peoples on the earth. John Allen Chow wanted to take the gospel message to the Sintalese people. Uh, now, North Sentinel Island is technically part of India, and it can be found here. And, and very little is known about the Sintalese people. We don't know their language. We're not sure what their population is. They are hunter-gatherers. Uh, they use bows and arrows. They are hostile to outsiders. Uh, in 2006, two Indian fishermen were illegally fishing in the area. Their boat drifted towards the island. Uh, they were killed with axes. Uh, when a helicopter tried to retrieve their bodies, their heli the helicopter was attacked by the Sintalese with spears and arrows. Uh, it's illegal to travel to North Sentinel Island. Um, you can probably imagine why. If you go there, you probably won't be coming back. John Allen Chow went there. He didn't go there on the spur of the moment. He was trained by a missionary organization. His diaries revealed that he knew the risks. He knew that his death was pretty likely. But he had a passion to share the love of Christ. He wrote in his diaries, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. He writes to his family, please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. John Allen Chow, he knew the risks and he went there because he wanted to make sure these people had the chance to hear the love of Jesus. Now thinking about this parable of the soils, where the farmer sows seeds all over the place, including the hardest of places, John Allen Chow is sowing seed in a pretty unlikely place indeed. Uh, John Allen Chow paid some Indian fishermen to take him to about 500 metres from the island. He canoed closer. And as he approached, he attempted to communicate with the islanders and offer them gifts. The islanders' response was hostile, so he retreated. 
He returned the next day in his canoe. He attempted to sing them worship songs and tell them about Genesis. By this stage, the islanders seemed to react to him with a mix of amusement, bewilderment and hostility, often laughing at his attempts to communicate. He then spoke to them in the Kozar language, at which the Sinhalese became silent. One of the islanders shot an arrow at him, uh, it pierced his Bible, so he retreated again. He returned the next day, and he was killed. Uh, John Allen Shaw was largely ridiculed in the media for being a fool, for arrogantly believing that the Sinhalese people needed to hear the Christian gospel in the first place. He was violently murdered, and then he was publicly ridiculed. John Allen Charles' actions were extremely risky. Um, some would say foolish. But didn't Jesus tell us to take the gospel everywhere? We've looked at this uh, verse already this morning. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says in Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He says in Acts chapter 1, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus doesn't leave the Sintelees out of it. Uh, John Allen Shaw was a, was a fan of the missionary Jim Elliot, who uh, himself was killed attempting to share the gospel in Ecuador. Um, and Jim Elliot is uh, quite well known for saying, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's not foolish to share Christ with the Sintelees. It's not foolish to serve an Adam. It's not foolish to share this message with your friends, your neighbours, your family, because it's good news. And if John Allen Chow can take the message of Christ to the Sintelees, then surely you could take it next door. The farmer in this parable is sowing seed in a wildly optimistic manner. He's sowing seed all over the place, places it w in which it's very unlikely to grow, and yet it, he sows anyway. So what can you take from this parable? Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged when you share your faith and the response isn't warm. Three of the four soils in this parable achieved an unwanted result. Don't be discouraged. Keep praying, keep loving, keep sowing. The more seed you sow, the more likely some of it will land upon good soil. And if you don't sow seed, if you keep it locked away in the doomsday vault, well, seed that's not sown isn't going to grow anything. So don't be discouraged if people don't always warm to the message of Christ the first time you share it. Keep praying, keep loving, keep sharing. A and don't be silent. Jesus goes on to say, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket, under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where it's, its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. What's the point of having a light that's hidden away? That doesn't help anyone. I want to encourage you not to be silent about your faith. I want to encourage you to talk about your faith in everyday life. Live authentically. Uh, don't try and hide away your faith in the hopes of bringing it out one magical day when everyone will be ready to hear it. Don't think that you must spend years building loving relationships before you can start being honest and authentic about your faith. Love people, yes. Build loving relationships, yes. But don't wait for some magical day for people to be ready to hear about the hope that you have. That day never comes. 
there will be a mixture of soils in your workplace, among your family, among your friends, and you will get a mixture of responses to the Christian gospel. And you won't know for sure what that response will be until you sow some seed. Just be who you are. Your faith is part of who you are. Don't hide it away. Because that's not being real with people. That's hiding who you are. That's hiding your light under a bed. That's inauthentic. And how can being inauthentic be considered loving? Paul writes, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Just be who you are. God is with you. His Holy Spirit will guide you. Just be honest about your faith. Not everyone will like it, but I suspect many will warm to you because of your loving authenticity. Don't be discouraged. And don't be silent. Jesus tells another parable about seeds. He says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Don't be discouraged. Don't be silent. And don't underestimate what God is doing. Uh, in high school, I went to Creek Street Christian College, and what snazzy uniforms they have, I might say. Um, most of my, uh, the students in my year were not Christians, um, including one of my very good friends, Jason. I met Jason in 1998. Uh, we were very good friends the rest of high school and continue to be to this day. And I endeavoured to share my faith with Jason. He never seemed interested. I prayed for him for a long time, but I never saw anything happen that gave me any optimism. In 2012, Jason sent me a message asking to catch up, and would you believe it, he'd become a Christian. Uh, he'd uh, reached a point in his life where he realised that he needed God. In 14 years, I had never seen anything happen that made me think he was likely to turn to Christ. I had underestimated what God was doing in his life when I couldn't see anything happen. And maybe you're underestimating what God is doing with the seed that you're sowing. Maybe you're underestimating what God is doing in your family, among your friends, among your colleagues, among your neighbours. So the first parable reminds us not to be discouraged with the seed we sow. The second parable reminds us not to be silent about our faith. The third parable reminds us not to underestimate God's involvement. And the fourth parable reminds us not to underestimate the impact that sowing seed can have. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. I mean, mustard seeds, they're very small. I have about a hundred of them right here. Tiny, tiny little things. And yet Jesus says, that these tiny little seeds can grow quite large. In Acts chapter 1, there are about 120 believers in a single city. Today, it's estimated there are around 2 billion Christians meeting in huts and in homes, in cathedrals and cafes, in school halls and in stadiums right across the world. A little 
can go a long way. So don't underestimate what God can do with the seed that you sow. Um, I wrote in the link about uh, believers in South Korea who float helium balloons with the gospel of Mark uh, and float them into North Korea. They're sowing a seed. And as we finish, I just want to share with you three simple ideas for how you might be able to sow the seeds of the gospel. Now, you don't have to make helium balloons in, in, in Australia. Um, there's on the back table, uh, as you leave, you'll find a whole pile of, of Gideon's Bibles. You can take one as you leave today. Put it in your bag or put it in your car and, and ask God for an opportunity this week to give it to someone. I would challenge you to do that. See what God does. Uh, Heather has done this uh, many a time. Uh, and she could tell you many stories about times that she's offered people a Gideon's Bible. It's a simple way to sow a seed. Um, I have a neighbour who's, who's not a big fan of Christian faith, um, but he's a very accomplished artist, loves his art. Um, I bought him a book about the history of Christian art. To be honest with you, the book looks frightfully boring. But, uh, but my neighbour loved it. He um, he's, uh, read it enthusiastically pointing out various paintings that he's familiar with and so on. Um, if you have a friend who's not very open to Christianity, you could buy them a gift. And if they're into sports or the arts or politics or whatever they're into, I'm sure you could find an autobiography of a famous Christian. I mean, what's the worst that could happen if you gave them a gift? I mean, at the very least, you're being a loving, thoughtful, generous person, reflecting the generous nature of our God. You could buy a gift. That's a simple thing we could do. Finally, do you have a way of sharing the gospel? I mean, if someone asked you to explain the message of Jesus, could you do it? I want to show you a simple idea called the three circles. Um, the first circle just represents our broken world. When you only have to turn on the TV to see suffering and death, violence and war. Uh, we live in this broken world, but that's not how God made the world to be. The second circle represents God's perfect design. God made a world without brokenness. It was a world full of love and joy, peace and unity. But what we did was we sinned. The Bible says that we left God's way to go our own way. And sin is anything from lying to murder. And what sin did was it separated us from God's perfect design and it threw us into brokenness. And people try to do all sorts of things to escape from brokenness. Uh, people try drugs and alcohol, chasing a career, relationships, money and so on. But none of these things fix the problem of brokenness. Uh, these things are like a bungee cord. They snap us straight back into brokenness. And God didn't want to leave us in a place of brokenness. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus sent by God to come down to earth to die for our sins on a cross and rise again, cancelling all of our sin. And if we turn from sin, follow Jesus, making him the king of our lives, then God will forgive us and restore us back to God's original design. And you become a new person restored back into relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, the old is gone, 
and the new has come. All of us in this room are in one of two places. We're either living in God's perfect design or we're living in brokenness. Three questions. Where do you see yourself? Are you living in God's perfect design in relationship with him? Or are you living in brokenness? Second question. Where would you like to be? Because Jesus is offering you a way out of brokenness and he is the only way out of brokenness. And the third question. Is there anything stopping you from turning to Jesus and living in his perfect design? Uh, if you're interested, you can look up the three circles on, on YouTube. Um, there are many effective ways to share the gospel. I hope you have one in your mind that you would be confident to use this week. Let me pray. Father God, I pray for us all now as we head into our week. And I pray that you would give us opportunities to sow the seeds of your good news. May we not be discouraged when our seeds fall upon bad soil. And may we not be silent. May we not underestimate what you are doing. And may we not underestimate the impact that sowing a seed can have. May everyone in our world hear this good news of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.